Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. The Apostle Paul is a servant of God, and he is passionate about that. He is fully committed to doing what God calls him to do. The question that you and I have to answer tonight is, what about us? Are we truly committed, passionate, people who desire to obey God, one who wants to be used by God to be a blessing and help and assistance in someone else's life? We need to realize, and we're going to see a word that, that testifies to this, and that is that this is serious. This is important. When we talk about our faith and how we live out that faith, nothing is more important than that. As long as we are in our bodies in this world, this should be our greatest concern, the priority of our life. Well, take out your Bible and look with me to 1 Timothy and chapter 2. The epistle that Paul wrote to Timothy, his first epistle to Timothy, and chapter 2. Now, we're going, going to look at seven verses this evening. We're going to get through this rather quickly, quicker than normal. But next week, we have some very significant scripture to look at. And, and some would say that it's controversial. It's not. See, it's only controversial if you bring yourself to the text and with yourself a rebellious spirit. But if you come humbly, wanting to learn from God and to implement his instructions into our life and be committed to those instructions, there's nothing controversial. We, we're not concerned about how it's going to be received by the world or even by, by fellow believers, because we're more concerned with how God is going to think of us in our response to his instructions. He's the one that we want to please. Remember that great verse from Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10, where Paul says, if I was still trying to please men, and this speaks about his pharisaical ways. This is what he was previously, a man-pleaser, so that he could move up in, in status and in prominence. But he says, if I was still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of God. So ask yourself, you know, you can't lie effectively to yourself. Are you truly desiring to be a servant of God. 1 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to begin with verse 1 where he says, Therefore, and this is a word of urging. I think many English Bibles use the word to exhort. 
So it's a strong encouragement. So Paul says, therefore, I encourage first of all. So we see something that he's going to teach us that has a priority, a very, very significant priority that he's revealing. Therefore, I, I beseech, I exhort, I encourage, first of all, to be made supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving in behalf of all men. Now, remember that expression. Now, I don't think that this really lends itself to confusion. Paul says, I, I want you to make this a priority. I'm exhorting you in regard to this. That, that prayers be made, obviously, by you and me, by God's people. That we make prayers and supplications, intercessions with thanksgiving for who? All men. And this means all individuals, both male and female. So who is left out here? And the answer is no one. This is a very inclusive term. When Paul says all people, this is what he means, that we should pray for all people. And then he emphasizes in, in verse 2, in behalf of kings and all the ones being in authority. Now, are you doing a good job of that? Recently, I was convicted. Am I really following that admonition from the Scripture? Now, Paul wrote it down, but it's from God. All Scripture is given by, by who? By the Holy Spirit. So he wants us to implement this consistently, that we pray for all those in authority. And one of the things that we should pray for them is that they turn to God that they rule, they use their authority, and that word is related to power, that they use their authority for, for godly purposes, for, for righteousness, for godliness, for those things that are pleasing to God. But nevertheless, he says, in behalf of kings and all the ones being in, in authority. And notice what he says, we're praying for those people and then he says, in order that a quiet and some Bibles will say peaceful or still, I would say it has to do with a unassuming. That is that we strive to live a life that's, that's quiet and unassuming. Not trying to cause attention to ourselves, not trying to exalt ourselves but rather to live a simple and quiet life. He says, you pray for those in authority, that you're able to live that type of life, a quiet and still life, being led by, by us. We live this type of life in all godliness and, and here's this word, seriousness. Now, I realize that some Bibles translate it with the word honor, but if you do a good study, it really speaks about that we are serious about our faith, and our faith will, for the most part, 
cause us to live a simple and unassuming life. Not shedding attention upon ourselves, but we want to glorify God. We want to do the things that so often those who belong to the world overlook. So ask yourself, what are some things that I am overlooking that I could be doing that would demonstrate my faith in God, declare that I'm his servant? What things can I do in order to serve God by being an instrument of assistance? in the life of other people. Now, when you make that prayer, I assure you, God is going to begin to open up your eyes. He is going to move in your heart. Now, I won't go into the details, but I heard a testimony not too long ago from a woman who who saw something, and she simply could not forget it. There was someone in need And she decided, I'm supposed to do something about this. She got personally involved in this other's life. And they became a very, very close, uh, entered into a close relationship. They became very close friends. And so oftentimes when, when someone, and she testified that she was lonely, But when she decided to put faith into action, as as God led her to bless someone else, she found herself developing a long-term friendship with another one. And in the end, that person began to minister to her. And that's just how God works. God puts people together for a reason. So looking again at this text, we are admonished that we lead a peaceful, simple, quiet life in all, don't miss this, godliness and and seriousness. Verse 3, for this is good and, the next word is acceptable. And usually when something is acceptable to God, it's pleasing to him, but it simply says, For this is good and welcome by. And the implication is welcome by God. It says acceptable before our Savior God. Now, some will say God our Savior. That's fine. I'm just following the literal order. But notice this phrase, before. Meaning this, as we behave in this way, were brought before God. This is a a scripture that is teaching us about being brought into the presence of God, sensing his his intimacy in our life. And there's, there's nothing better than experiencing God. And we experience God not when we are doing nothing, when we are idle, but rather when we are serving. And it's great in Hebrew because the same word for working, doing service, can also, frequently it's also a word that relates to worship. So he says here, for this is good and acceptable before our Savior God. Who, now look at verse 4, who 
all men. Now, remember something. We see this expression in, in verse 4 where it says, all men. And if we go up to the, the previous first verse of, of this text, we see the same word in a different form because it's in the genitive. That's the only difference, the case of, of this, this part of speech. But it's the same root for all people. And now he says, who all people, this is not in the, the, the genitive, but rather it is in the accusative, whom all people, and then who's the subject of this next verb? It's God. That he desires, desires all people to be saved and into knowledge of truth to come. Now, this has some very, very significant implications for us because there are those who teach that, that God is only about a certain elect group. And they teach an unbiblical doctrine called unconditional election. We don't find that phrase. We don't find, in my opinion, scripture that, that truly points to this. But what we find is a very broad love, a very broad grace that belongs to God for all of his creation. Now here again, does this mean everyone's going to receive it? No, not everyone's going to be a recipient, but God desires, this is what it says. So it's very important that we don't let others say, well, when it says all here, it means all of a subgroup. No, it doesn't. In the same way that God says, in a very broad way, I want that you make prayers and supplications and intercessions and thanksgiving for all people. There's no subgroup there. In that same way, when we look at the text here, he says, who all men, this means all people, male and female, he desires to be saved and into the knowledge of the truth for them to come. Verse 5. Now, verse 5 tells us how God accomplishes this because he wants all humanity to be saved. Now, those who do not understand the biblical sovereignty of God, they'll say ridiculous things such as this. Well, if God wants all humanity to be saved, and we know that not all are going to be saved, this attacks God's sovereignty. So he must really want just a, a group, an elect group, not all humanity. No. God can desire something. His sovereignty does not demand that what God desires, that it becomes a, a fulfillment. For example, let me ask you this. Does God ever desire someone to sin? The answer is no. God does not lie. God cannot be tempted to do evil, the scripture says, nor does he tempt anyone to do evil. God is never part, never related to someone's sinfulness. Quite the contrary. The spirit of God moves in believers and the conscience moves in non-believers that we do not walk in sin. So when someone sinned, does that attack the sovereignty of God? It does not. 
When someone is lost, does that mean that because they're lost and God desires all men to be saved, that this attacks his sovereignty? Foolishness. It does not. So look again at verse, verse 4 where he says, Who all men he desires to be saved and into the knowledge of the truth come. And now in verse 5, we're going to see what God provides. So that can become a possibility. And he says here, for one God, one also mediator of God and man. So he's a mediator between God and man. And who is that? The man, Messiah Yeshua. Now, some also look at this and say, well, it says man here. Well, this is simply speaking about his incarnation, why he came. He became flesh. He was an individual, the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God, in the heavens. He, he always was there. There was never a time he was not. But because of God's desire to save humanity, Messiah, the Son of God, became man. So he was always God, and he never ceased to be God. A very important point. But at his incarnation, he also became fully man for the purpose of being a mediator between God and man. And this one again is the man, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, who, and notice how he did that. What was his mediation? What did he do? It says, who gave himself, literally this one, but we would say who gave himself as a ransom. This has to do with a, a redemption. Who gave himself to be a redemption in behalf of who? There's that word again, in behalf of all. A very important biblical truth. So when we study just these few verses in chapter 2 of 1 Timothy, we learn something. We see some truth about God's work of redemption. That he gave his son, called him to leave heaven, be incarnate, that is to become fully man, to dress, put on flesh and blood, in order to do the work of mediation, that is to, to bring unity between man of God, man and God. And he did this by becoming a ransom, and this is just another word for a redemption in behalf of who? In behalf of all. And this is, again, the same word that we see in verse 1, where it says, I desire that prayers be made for all men, all humanity. Now look at the last part of verse 6, where it says, the testimony in one's own season. Now, it's very clear here with the grammar that one's own season goes together. And what he's saying is that this is the testimony for, for each person's season. And what is that? Well, we all know the scripture when it says, today is the day of salvation. This can be your day, your season. If you have not ever come to faith in, in Messiah Yeshua 
having received what he did upon that cross, shedding his blood for your sins that you might be, be made one with God. What does that mean? To be in a relationship with him, a covenantal relationship. This is what Messiah is a mediator of, a covenant, a new covenant of forgiveness. And this is the testimony. Now, I realize that some Bibles translate it differently, but if we look here, we see that it is a, a noun. And there's a definite article in front of which means the testimony in one's own season. Then Paul says, look at verse 7, in regard to this testimony, speaking simply about the gospel, he says, in which I have been appointed, and then he uses a word for a herald, one who proclaims. So he says, in which I have been appointed a herald and apostle, and I speak truth in Messiah, I do not lie. Now, two things need to be said about this. First of all, when Paul says, I'm speaking truth and I do not lie, it can be applied equally to two things. Number one, the fact that he is appointed by God to be a herald and an apostle of that testimony, that, that witness from God concerning salvation, concerning the mediator between man and God who, who poured out and made available redemption for all of humanity. So. He's speaking truth about the means of salvation, and he's also speaking truth about his call as a herald and an apostle. He says, I'm speaking truth. I, I do not lie. And then this section in the scripture that we're going to conclude with this evening is this last part of verse 7, where he says, a teacher of Gentiles in faith and truth. Now, it does not say a teacher of the Gentiles, but just simply a teacher of Gentiles. Now, why here isn't most English Bibles put it in? Makes sense in how the English language is spoken, but not in Greek. In the same way that the definite article was there before the term witness or testimony, because it wanted to make it specific. The testimony concerning the mediator between man and God Messiah Yeshua, that he gave of himself, himself, in order that we could find redemption. He was that ransom. He paid the price so that we could experience what God said he wants. And that is that all humanity to be saved. Messiah made that possible. There is a true potential for all people to be saved. God has not chosen anyone to be condemned. What happens? It's when they reject what their conscience says. And sometimes, and I'm going to do a study about Reformed theology in the, the next few months, and one place that I would really admonish you, and by the way, after we complete our study of Matthew on our weekly television show, we're going to move into the book of Romans. And Romans makes it very clear that, that the knowledge of God that he exists God puts into each person 
So when someone is not saved, it's because they are rejecting the knowledge that God is. He exists, that he places within all of humanity. And that's why when someone says, oh, I don't believe in God, they are a liar. When, whenever they say that, inwardly they know they are not speaking the truth. So let's conclude. Paul says, a teacher of Gentiles. Why is the definite article not there? Because Paul, he is thinking like God thinks in a very broad way. So he says, I'm not simply a teacher to some specific group of, of Gentiles, some specific nation or a few nations or a, a certain geographical area. But Paul wants to broaden this to make it more inclusive. So he says, a teacher of Gentiles in faith and truth. Now I would underline that because these two words so frequently go together, faith and truth. We know in Hebrew, they, they originate from the, the same shorsh, meaning the same root word. Now, in Greek, they don't. They're very different, but we see so frequently that, that in the New Testament, these two words, faith and truth, are always related closely to one another. Why? Because faith is when we implement God's truth into our life. And let me conclude by saying this. There is a not a better decision that you can make to say, God, teach me your truth, and I am committed to put it into action. When you are committed to do just that, you're going to be amazed with what God begins to show you in his word. You're going to pick up the text and you're going to understand it like you've never understood it before. Because it's only when we have a desire to obey God are we going to see that the anointing of the Spirit works mightily in our life to give us illumination of a biblical text, give us discernment on how to put truth into action, and also, also to make us aware of those things that God would have us to do. In other words, what we find here is this, a commitment to God brings us into his will so that we can do his will. And everything that's required so that that can become a reality, God will provide. So let's make a decision. In this month of Tishrei, this seventh month, on the biblical calendar, a month of importance, a month of sanctification, let's, let's set ourselves apart in the name of Messiah Yeshua, that we would be people that are committed to God's will, obeying his truth. And you're going to be pleasantly surprised Well, how, how God, with how God honors that commitment. Well, I'll close with that until next week, and we see some very interesting revelation that God gives each and every local congregation so that that congregation can walk in an orderly way, in a way that God's power, God's provision will be experienced by them. Unfortunately, we're going to see that many congregations, many movements that call themselves 
of, of the scripture really are not committed to what the word of God says. Be individuals that accept this as truth from heaven because that's exactly what it is. Well, until next week, Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Thank <laughs> you.